Good morning. It's good to be with you. We will be looking at specifically this morning Luke 17, 11 to 19. Um, and it's dealing with thankfulness. It's kind of a traditional Christian teaching, isn't it, to be thankful? But I wonder here if we might, by God's grace, see something new and different. My team, my basketball team, whom I coach, we have a rule. It's called point and pick up. And the, the pick up part might be kind of obvious. We would try to pick up each other when we go down. And we also try to make sure we pick up our opponents. We try to be a witness in that way. But one of the things that I find most helpful to us as a team is that we point at each other. And what that means is, and you've probably seen it in games and sports, maybe in basketball specifically, that if someone makes, throws me a nice pass and I catch it and I lay it in or take a shot and make the shot, we both point at each other. Okay, we both point at each other. It's in a way, a way of saying thank you. And the other guy's saying, no, thank you. <laughs> in a moment in the game when there's no time to do that. Okay, it's, it's, it's actually a massively important part of our program and what we do. It, it, it lubricates things. It, it, it makes things flow. There's a breakdown of ice between players. Not that there's always ice between players. Oftentimes they get along quite well. But really, even if they get along well, it makes things even better. And as a society in, in general, we, we think we should say thank you to people. We're, we're very, we stress it um, everywhere. Be, be grateful people. Uh, we're always teaching our children to be thankful. Um, I, I, right as the service was beginning, no one probably noticed, but my son and my daughter both told me they had to go to the bathroom. It's remarkable timing as per usual, right? And so I took them, and I was a little perturbed and a little bit annoyed, and I'm um, you know, helping both of them, facilitating both of them, if you will. And um, my little boy said, thank you, Daddy, and his only way he could say it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> All of a sudden, it just changed my whole perspective. Right? And our society recognizes that. The world does. The world does. But this passage is saying something specific. We have ten lepers. And commentator Michael Wilcox says that the passage inserted here is unique. It's strangely placed in a long teaching of Jesus. Miracle. Long teaching of Jesus. And it's odd that Luke would point, put it here, or that God would put it here, says Wilcox. Wilcox. He says that it is to stress the great privilege we have and how thankful we should be in receiving God's words. Right in the midst of it is a miracle, stressing gratitude, being thankful. And it's, encourage, it's encouraging us, might I add, to be people who are thankful, personally thankful to Jesus. And the challenge of the passage, therefore, is to not be like the nine, but to be like the one. Pray with me. Father, we want to be as you would have us be. We want to be like the minority, if you will, God. We want to be like the one. Not like the nine, not like the world, if you will, God, but we can't do that on our own. We need you to help us do that, Lord. And so we pray to you right now, God, that you would bless this time that the words, Lord, that are spoken might be completely yours. And we pray, God, that we, that, that, that we would hear, that you would open our ears to hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Well, we're going to divide this up into the prayer of the lepers, the thanks of the Samaritan, the response of Jesus, and the power of thankfulness. Okay, I'll say that one more time. The prayer of the lepers, the thanks of the Samaritan, the response of Jesus, and the power of thankfulness. Well, let's start with the prayer of the lepers. They say, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Well, that's what the NIV says. The ESV says, have mercy on us. I'm not sure why the NIV puts it that way. I think the better translation is, have mercy on us. Nevertheless, both prayers are appropriate. They get as close as they can, because back then, you have, obviously, and any day, you would want to keep your distance. I know we keep our distance from each other when we have colds. A lot of people aren't here this morning because they're sick. How much more so a disease like this? They keep their distance, and they yell from afar, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And I want to stress to you, this is prayer. We often think that because they were physically present with Jesus, it's a little different than now. But I would argue strongly that it is exactly the same, or at least almost 99.9% the same. There's a difference, and I'll come to that in a moment. They are praying to Jesus. And I think it's really important that we as a congregation, that we as people of God, recognize that Jesus is just as present with us, in fact, more so, than he was with them in that moment. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when you pray, you are literally talking to God face to face? I think we err greatly when we, can, when we look at it as almost kind of writing a letter and hoping it gets to God. I think sometimes we see prayer that way, and I think we're wrong. Their prayer is not specific, but Jesus could hardly not know what they're asking for. It's not unlike other prayers, actually, in the Gospel of Luke. In the next chapter, the blind man says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son, in that case, Jesus actually pulls him aside, and I love that he asks, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> he wants to hear it. He wants to hear it. But again, Jesus hears those prayers, have mercy on me. Later on in Luke, the thief on the cross doesn't even say specifically what he wants. He says, could you remember me? Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Just could you remember me? Perhaps, and perhaps you're in this situation sometimes, you just don't even feel worthy to give the specifics. It's enough that you just acknowledge me, Jesus, and that you have mercy on me. You do the rest. Now, I think it's really important in prayer that we specifically pray to God. I think God wants to hear specifics. And I think at times, again, we're flippant about prayer and we just give general prayers to God. That's okay at times. Again, in general, I think we need to pray specifically. Lord, heal this person. Father, help me in this situation I'm about to go into. I'm nervous. Calm my nerves. Whatever it might be. Be specific. But at times, aren't there just times where you're like, God, help me. Just help me. Be with me. That's all. Just be with me. Sometimes we don't even have the strength to pray anything but these general, beautiful prayers. And this is, of course, what the lepers pray. Have mercy. Then it says this. When Jesus saw them, verse 14. When Jesus saw them. Now, I said I was going to point out a difference. The difference about Jesus being physically present is he could be focused over here and someone could be asking him over there and he had to turn and give his attention there. That's not the way it is now. 
So in many respects, I would argue, we have a great advantage over those who had Jesus physically present. Jesus can hear my prayer, he can hear Luke's prayer, he can hear TJ's prayer, he can hear all of our prayers at the moment and is with us and engaged with us at the moment. He can only be engaged in one place at one time back then. And this is what it says. When Jesus, they, they cried out, and verse 14 says, when he saw them, when he saw them. And I want to ask you another question. Do you believe he sees you? You know, that when you're, when you're talking to students all the time, that they'll say things like, when you're talking to them, they'll say, I see you, I see you, right? Or, or, or this, I feel you, I feel you, I feel you, okay? Do you believe that Jesus feels you? <laughs> Do you? I, I, because I think a lot of times we don't, and we're discouraged in prayer, but the Bible tells us otherwise. He sees us. And I want to take you back to a passage that we sometimes forget. It's Genesis 16. It's another place in Genesis, actually. It says this woman has a similar experience. But I want to take you to Hagar. And there are times in the Bible where Hagar and Sarai are compared to the law and to the freedom in the promise, the gift of Christ. But just go back to the person, Hagar. She was a remarkable woman. In fact, she names God. I, I don't know of another place. I was thinking about this. I'm not sure if I know another person or another place where someone names God. God gives his name to people, but she names God. Do you remember? She runs away from Sarai. They've had, obviously, they've had it out, and Sarai has mistreated her, and she's run. She's weeping. She's on her own. And I love that God says, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? Later on in life, she's on the run again. She's actually not on the run. I shouldn't say that. But she's basically been dismissed to separate Isaac and Ishmael and to, to kind of keep them apart as peoples, if you will. And she's kind of out of gas. They run out of water. She's devastated. And I love what God says to her. I, 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 since I've become a dad, these things have, have, have jumped out at me more. Hagar, why are you crying? I think I used to read it like, Hagar, why are you crying? <laughs> like God talks like that. Hagar, why are you crying? So sweet, so sweet. And, and Hagar, a nobody, a single mom of sorts, right, a slave woman, recognizes, you see me. You see me. I name you the God who sees me. She doesn't say the God who sees everybody. You're the God who sees me. Isn't that beautiful? We must not forget that. We must not forget that. That means a ton to me. That means a ton to me. Why are you crying, Hagar? Jesus' response to their prayer is a biblical command, a kind of matter-of-fact response. Go. Show yourself to the priests. It's a biblical command. Again, an act of faith. They did it. They obeyed. We all know how important it is to act. To, to obey and how important that is to our faith. And, and to go to the priest was like going to the health inspector. You could be sanctioned. You could be, okay, you're, you're healed. You can re-enter society, say, off they went. Off they went. They were leprous when they began their journey to the priest, and in a matter of steps they were taking, they, they, they began to take, they were cleansed. They were healed. It must have been exhilarating. Who knows what that healing involved, whether they just saw their skin being renewed like Naaman's, or whether digits grew back, 
right? Who knows what kind of leprosy? I know that when the Bible speaks of leprosy, it is some disease of the skin. And even if it was just disease of the skin, to have the skin freed from that again, what a rush, how awesome. And one small part of me is sympathetic to the nine, are you not? God said, go to <laughs> Jesus, God said, go to the priests. And so they kept going. But one couldn't contain himself. He turned back. He turned back. You know, there's a turning back theme you'll notice in the reading, at least in a couple of the passages. Ruth would not turn back and go home. She clung. I'm sorry, Ruth. Yeah, Ruth. And she clung to Naomi, right? Here, it would have been wrong for her to turn back. Here, it was right. He turned back. When he saw that he was healed, it says, in fact, he did a few things. Two, I think, are worthy of note. Right when he recognized that he was healed, he turned back. He didn't go to the priest first. There was time to go to the priest. I got to go back, he says. I got to go back. He comes back to do right away what he might not have done had he not done it right away. That was kind of clever. You hear it again. He came back to do right away what he might not have done had he not done it right away. Think about that. Leon Morris, a commentator who I have, whom I have a tremendous amount of respect for, he says, often if we do not give thanks quickly, we do not give it at all. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Often if we do not give thanks quickly, we do not give it at all. How many of us have thank you notes we intended to write? Do you know how many times I've gotten a card at a restaurant or some place of service and I was going to call their manager and tell them what a good job this person has done? Never, but I'm sure many of you have done those kinds of things. I've done it so many times. Do you know how many cards I have? I, I, do you have a card? Thank you. I'm going to call your manager. It's embarrassing because I didn't do it right away. Right away. How much more so with God, now in the moment, expressing thanks, giving praise. And this is exactly what the Samaritan man does. He says, praising God in a loud voice. He could have, by the way, I believe that the other nine were praising God. I believe they were on their way praising God. The thing that sets the Samaritan apart is he turns around and he says, thank you. It says he threw himself, and this is the second thing I want to point out. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He didn't just turn around. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Completely on his face. I love that. Utter and complete gratitude. Can you imagine? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Holding on to Jesus. Thank you. His life was transformed. He could go back to his family. He could go back and be with his family. He could go to a store. <laughs> he could go into a store and buy something. He could get a job. He could marry. He could have a family. All those things were taken away from him by that disease. And in a moment, Jesus gave them all back. Thank you, thank you. I don't think it's unimportant to say that it's far more important than being sanctioned by man that we go to God first, 
right? And isn't this what this man does? He doesn't go to the priests first. He doesn't go to man first to get approval. He goes to God first to thank him. I didn't break that down a lot in my preparation, but it's certainly something worthy of thinking about. And then look at the response of Jesus. He seems to be mildly surprised, doesn't he? He says, he asks three questions. We're not all ten cleansed. It's almost like he's saying, call me crazy, but I'm only counting one, right? One. One here. Where, where are the other nine? Was not anyone willing to come back and give thanks except for this foreigner? Jesus, is it any wonder Jesus responds this way? Think how we feel when people don't thank us. I get mildly offended when someone doesn't give me the wave of acknowledgement when I wave them into my, in front of me in the car. Tell me you feel that way, just a little bit. Someone I wave them in and I'm like, wave, give, give me, I just want something. I'm looking for something, give me something. I start thinking, you know, I don't think any court in the land would just mind if I bumped him a little bit with my car, <laughs> just to get a little response here. I want to be thanked. We want to be thanked. How much more the Son of God when he heals someone, when he heals the ten, Again, I, I want to hear this. I want you to hear this, that is. I am sure the other nine were grateful. But it is different being grateful than expressing it to God. You hear that? Being grateful is different than expressing thanks to God. I, I, I want you to hear that. We're grateful. We're often grateful. You'll hear people say, oh, I'm so grateful for, the, for my blessings in my life. That's completely different than saying, God, thank you for this blessing and this blessing and this blessing. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for helping me. I try. I've tried it a couple of times, and I've had minimal or mild success at times to write down and remember the answered prayers God's given me. Some of them are astonishingly specific. Astonishingly. And I, and I can only remember a couple because I'm not writing them down, which might indicate a real flaw in my character, that I'm not really trying to remember all that. Because when I remember what God's done for me, it encourages me to continue to trust him. Mm. The power of thanksgiving. Let's close on that. The Bible indicates that the sin, the sin of mankind in the garden, was so to speak, and now is, still in gratitude. Listen to what Romans 1.21 says. You might say that it was the sin in the garden, but it is still the sin now. That's what I meant to say. It says, for although they knew God, and, and I have to admit, I, I did this passage a few years ago, and I, I'm presenting it differently now, but I didn't realize this verse said what it said. <laughs> it says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. The great sin of mankind, one might say, is they refuse to thank God. We say thanks. We acknowledge it. We acknowledge we're grateful. But man, there's something in us that does not want to make God God and thank him. Why? Why is it so important to give thanks? And the world recognizes the importance of, giving, of being grateful. You've probably heard things like this, but it bears mentioning right now. Uh, psychology today stresses the importance of gratitude, and it gives these scientifically proven benefits. Here are a couple. It opens the door for more relationships. 
If you thank people, you are more likely to become acquainted uh, and become friends. That's true. It improves physical health. Being thankful improves physical health. Studies show that grateful people experience fewer aches and pains. Gratitude improves psychological health. It reduces envy, resentment, frustration, and regret. Wow. Mm. I, I, um, I, I can tell you personally that forcing myself to thank God, to praise God, but thank God, has diminished depression in my life, right? When I'm down, I'm depressed. I contacted not long ago a friend of mine, he's one of my best friends in this world, who's an alcoholic because he is always telling me how important gratitude is in Alcoholics Anonymous, an organization which he is heavily involved. How important it is for the healing of alcoholism, for how important it is to fight addiction in general. This is what he said. The place we practice gratitude most is in our morning and our evening prayer on our knees. First thing in the morning and last thing before bed, we thank God all the time. And many members introduce themselves at meetings as, I'm Jim, a grateful alcoholic. When agitated, restless, or discontented, we will often resort to constructing a gratitude list on paper. Starting with the really small stuff that we never think of, like hot water at the turn of a dial, a car that starts every morning, Cold drinks with ice, warm blankets, shampoo, soap, toothpaste, electricity, and on and on it goes. He says this, it seems to defeat the self-pity, anger, and resentment that, that, that arise so, so much in us. I, 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 he's, he's such a dear friend of mine, I've got a couple of very close friends who are alcoholics and are healed and have been healed by the grace of God in so many ways that sometimes I'm like, I wish I were an alcoholic <laughs> because of the beauty of what God's done in their lives. And, and, and you see these things. And, and, and look, these, you don't need to be an alcoholic to do this, right? But they go through a process that instructs them and, and encourages them and basically forces them to do these things. And I want to encourage us in this room. I, 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 my wife and I recently spent time at, the, um, at a friend's house. They weren't there. We often go into people's houses when they're not there. And just, <laughs> they were gone, and they were, they were letting us use their place. And, and I, I saw on the, on the end table, and I assumed it was mildly a, a public thing. Otherwise, he would have put it away. But it was a gratitude list. And it was from years, months, list, little things, every day. Thankful that I saw a frog today. Thankful for this. Thankful for that. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was beautiful. Line after line after line of things he was thankful for. This guy, if you ever meet him, you'll realize he's just the happiest guy you'll ever meet. Now, there might be a lot of reasons why he's a happy, kind of uh, cheerful person, but I have almost no doubt it's certainly linked to his being grateful. Do you thank God for the little things in life? Think of them. Think of them. Think of the things my friend Joel just mentioned right there. I was driving just north yesterday. I was, take, I was actually meeting my team up in Pennsylvania for, for a shootout. And um, I couldn't believe how much the more the leaves have changed up north, right? It was beautiful. It was such a special thing to be able to experience that. Sometimes I feel like we kind of get ripped off down here. They don't really change that much. Sometimes they do. 
Little things, little things. But do you thank him for the big things? Do you ponder them? Does it ever strike you? Does it ever strike you deeply and profoundly? I think sometimes we, we talk about it, we, we, we do it in the liturgy, it's so important, it's wonderful. But do you ever ponder the fact that you are not, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you're not going to hell? Do you ponder the horror of hell and that you've been rescued from it? This is a strong theme in scripture. Sometimes we don't talk about it a lot. But do you thank him? Dear God, I'm not going there. Thank you. I'm not only going to heaven, I'm not going to hell. Do you thank Jesus for taking the penalty of your sin? Do you thank him for experiencing your eternal damnation? Do you thank him for those things? Do you thank him for the big? And do you thank him for the little? It's all from him. And it's important that we do it personally. Not generally. Personally. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for giving us your son. We thank you, God, for your word that instructs us, encourages us, and exhorts us. Help us to be people who listen. Help us to be people, Lord, who are thankful. And God, we want to thank you again for this day, for the privilege of hearing your word, for being here right now in this moment. Bless us now as we go to the table and give us a day, Lord, um, that is good and protect us. In Jesus' name, amen.